When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll discuss why we should treat ourselves like a toddler and why being in an I'm right, you're wrong conversation can be a real happiness stumbling block. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the sage, Elizabeth Kraft, who's my happiness guinea pig and questioner. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and I refer to Gretchen as my very own happiness bully. (laughs) Lovingly. And this week, our Try This at Home tip is to treat yourself like a toddler. We've all been around toddlers, and you pay a lot of attention to is that toddler hungry or thirsty or too hot or too cold or in uncomfortable clothing or needs more time to make a transition? And the fact is, you know, we know that toddlers need this stuff, but we need this stuff too. And I realized that I need to treat myself like a toddler and make sure that I'm not too hungry and I'm not too cold and I have enough time between transitions because... I get cranky and irritable and tantrum prone, just like your average three-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I relate to this one, Gretch, because as you know, I'm type one diabetic, Right. which means if I don't watch my blood sugar and make sure that I eat something, you know, every so often, I could crash 
um, and be, you know, sweating and, and, and shaking and all of that business. You know, so it's like I have to always know where am I in terms of my food scale. Right. And the last thing I want to happen is go into some, you know, meeting with a network executive and suddenly crash and then have to dig in my purse for a zone bar, right. you know, in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> right. Uh, pardon me while I just have a little snack while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm really aware of the importance of treating myself like a toddler in that way. And also, I think our whole family is into the cold thing. I mean, we don't yeah. do well cold. Yeah. Right, right, right. People make fun of me because it's, you know, it, January in L.A., it's 75 degrees, but I go nowhere without, you know, a down jacket and a wool hat because I'm like, you never know when the weather's going to turn. Or you're in an over-air-conditioned movie theater or in a restaurant that's, you know, freezing cold or something. Um, and here's this other thing about treat yourself like a toddler that's that's interesting to me is I've noticed that sometimes when you think of yourself in the third person, it's very mm -hmm. helpful. Like you get these weird insights into how to self-manage. If you think about yourself as if you were managing someone else. And I, I was inspired to notice this because I read about something that I, that I think it was something that, that Anne Lamott said. And if I could have be totally making this up, but as I recall, Anne Lamott said something like, to take care of herself, she says things like, I'm sorry, Anne Lamott can't accept your invitation to speak because she's finishing a book, and so she needs to keep her schedule clear. Wow. And I thought, well, that's so brilliant, because because somehow, like, if you're thinking, well, should I do it? It seems, like, all very cloudy and everything. But then if you say to yourself, well, should Anne Lamott do it? It's like, no, Anne Lamott's got to finish her book. She can't accept that speaking engagement. And the same thing when I'm like, you know, somebody, like, oh, can you come over for our house for a dinner party or, you know, stay or whatever? And I'm just like, you know... Gretchen, she really needs to eat early. She can't wait till nine o'clock to eat dinner. So basically, I eat dinner before I go over to somebody's house because I, I know that I'm not going to be able to make it. I get hangry, you know, hungry and angry. You know, or like uh, Gretchen can't stay up past her bedtime, that, you know, three nights in a row. And it's somehow like treating yourself like a toddler like that. You just have more more self-compassion. Yeah. Well, even I can think like, for instance, sometimes I'm sure you've had this happen. There's this little piece on, on your bra strap that's digging into your back. <laughs> yes. And yes. every time that happens, I think, oh, I'll get used to this. It won't bother me throughout the day. I'll be fine. And then, I mean, every single time the whole day is torture. Consumed. And, I, and if I think about, but if Jack had a little thing digging into his back, you know, we would never send him off with that, you know, right. I mean, Adam goes painstakingly through every <laughs> single one of Jack's shirts and everything else, taking out the tag. So I'm like, why don't I, my, you know, do that for myself? Right. Know that that's going to be bothersome. It's just you almost feel like you should be above all these little insignificant things that are uncomfortable. Right, right, right. But yet we, we all feel those discomforts and it's very distracting. Yeah. No, and so you're like, I'm going to take this bra out of the bra circulation because it's yes. just too uncomfortable. And so, yeah, just like you would do for a kid. And I had this experience fairly recently because I was editing on my book Better Than Before and it was really, really stressful because it was really hard and I was sort of in that terrible thing of like, oh my gosh, this thing is just a monster that I can't control and am I going to wrestle this into any kind of shape and I was like and I had this moment where I said wow Gretchen is really feeling under a lot of pressure <laughs> with her work so what can she do to make herself feel better and I was like you know what Gretchen needs Gretchen needs to reread the entire Harry Potter series from beginning oh, to end funny. uh now starting now so every every available free minute that I had I was like I'm just reading Harry Potter now and uh it was very comforting, and I felt a lot better because I had treated myself like a very needy toddler. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs>
Let us know if you try this at home and whether treating yourself like a toddler makes you happier. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretsch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Let's move on to our next segment. We're going to talk about a happiness stumbling block. And this week, we're discussing, <clears throat> here it is, oppositional conversational style. Oh, interesting. Do tell. You know, have you ever had the experience when you've been stuck talking to someone who just keeps telling you over and over how wrong you are? That is oppositional conversational style. They just, in their conversation, they oppose everything you say. Now, and I identified this like in the field um, <laughs> because I had two I had two conversations right back to back, and this is what made it kind of come to my attention. So the first one was with a guy, a lovely guy, super smart. We were having a really really interesting conversation, but I started to notice, and it was about social media, that everything that I said he told me was wrong. Like if I said X is really important, he would say no, Y is really important. But after a while, I was like, you know what? If I said Y is really important, he would have said X is really important. That this was just his mode of communicating was to oppose what I said. Then the next day, I I saw this woman. And every time I would be like, oh, that must have been really fun. She's like, no, it was terrible. And I would be like, oh, that must have been a real challenge. No, for me, it was really easy. And I wanted to just be like, hey, look, I'm just making polite conversation here. I don't care if it was easy. I don't care if it's fun. Like, whatever. But I realized that although the, the texture of the conversations was very different, their styles were the same in that they just contradicted every single thing that I said. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I do, but I have to say you're making me very ashamed because I think that I myself use oppositional conversation no, style. You don't. No, you don't. Well, maybe not with you, but if, I'm going to oppose you right now. You don't have no. If you ask my writing partner Sarah, I think she would say, "Oh, that's Liz." What it is is I think I feel compelled to take the opposite point of view just for the sake of conversation. I mean, I think that's what you were saying about that guy. Like, if we're talking about Tory Spelling and Dean, <laughs> I want to say, you know, is their reality show fake or real? I'm just going to take the opposite tack of whatever anyone's saying. Part of it is I love to just dig deep on such important, compelling issues. Uh, but I don't even do it on purpose. It, I just see it happening, and which I never noticed in, until you mentioned this phenomenon. But I, and I assume it must be fairly annoying. Well, I mean, but see, I think maybe there's a difference because that's in kind of a, like a let's discuss this issue. That's but but you don't make it a habit just like every single thing that someone says. I mean, and I haven't. I have to say, I have never noticed you doing that. But now I'll try to pay attention. But yeah, bust me if I do that. <laughs> 
But I'm not saying that people should never disagree or that you never have conflict. I mean, I was trained as a lawyer, so if anything, I'm like way too comfortable with being combative. So I get that and I can handle it. It's not like I'm super sensitive to it. And I certainly don't think that people <laughs> always have to agree. There's definitely, it can be fun and it can be useful to disagree and to have arguments. But this seems different. I mean, I, I do think that skillful conversationalists have a way of being constructive and positive and not just constantly combative and corrective. Well, what I think it is, is that what's draining is when it's just whatever the person is giving you, you're just sort of taking and tossing into the trash. Yes. yes. It's like you're saying, yes. whatever you're offering me is not important or right. I Hopefully I don't do that to people. What I want to know is if you have ever called out someone on their oppositional conversation style in the moment. My gosh, I wish that I would. I, I hope that one day I will have the gumption just to say to somebody like, I can't help but notice that you oppose everything that I say. Like, are you aware of that? And what do you think of that? I, I, I have not done that. Um, I aspire to doing that because I think it would be fascinating. If you do that, you have to secretly record it on your phone <laughs> so that I can listen back yes. to their response. Because I would be fascinated. It's, and I mean, you know, some, you know, some pretty interesting people. So I would love to hear their response uh, to your to you busting them on that. But, but one of the things that I wondered when I first identified with this was, were people aware of the fact that they did this? Like it was became very clear that people recognized it in others. But did people recognize it in themselves? And one of the things that I noticed is something that you pointed out, which is that a lot of the people who do this feel like it's constructive. They feel like either they're bringing out a point of view that no one else would recognize, even if they themselves don't believe it. They feel like it's important that all points of view be aired. Or they feel they, they, they just don't realize that for other people, it's really kind of reads negative. Like, I really feel like whether or not they intend it to be like a dominance thing, that's how it makes you feel. Like with the guy who was very nice, even though it was a constructive, nice conversation, I had to use all of my self-command not to get defensive and annoyed with him because I did feel like he was just kind of correcting me over and over in a way. Like if I felt like my ideas were being thrown in the trash, like you say. And so it might be worth for people who who do this and actually think that it's valuable, it maybe is useful for them to realize, well, maybe there is value to it and you perceive the value, but others might find it deeply, deeply annoying whether or not it's valuable. Well, in my case, I'm going to blame it on the fact that I was uh, kicked out of the choir in eighth grade for being <laughs> tone deaf and put into debate class instead. <laughs> You're just a trained debater. What are you going to do? Right. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another way to reach us is to leave a voicemail question for me and Elizabeth at 774-277-9336. That's 77-HAPPY-336. 
On upcoming shows, we'll be answering some of your questions, but since this is one of our first episodes, we don't have many calls yet. Question is, Gretchen, how do you work on a habit that's not a priority for your partner or family? This is such a good question. Yeah. And there's so many aspects to it because, first of all, it is absolutely true that other people have an enormous influence on our happiness and our habits. And we often think of ourselves as being like these individual actors, but what other people do just has tremendous influence on us. And like a really good example of this is something called health concordance, which is that research shows that if you're in a couple, your health habits tend to kind of merge over time. Like how many, you know, whether you go to do the doctor, whether you smoke, whether you drink, whether you exercise, how you sleep, all these things kind of merge. And if like one person gets type two diabetes, the mo other person's much more likely to get type 2 diabetes. So there's this huge influence for better and for worse. So it's absolutely true that there's this effect. And it's also true that when other people are in your habits, kind of in your face with your habits, they can be in kind of one of three gears. They can be in drive when they're trying to be helpful and they're trying to give you encouragement and be support. One is neutral where they're just like, meh, do what you want. And then n negative is when actually sometimes people want to undermine you. Whether, right. Because they feel judged by what you're doing or it makes life more inconvenient for them or it you know somehow it, it makes them feel bad about themselves about some change that you're making so so what do you do if if for some reason the person in your life is not playing the role uh, that you wish that they would and so here's what i would say there's something that i would call the strategy of clarity which is that when you are very clear about what you want and why you want it and what you expect from yourself what other people say and do starts to matter less. Uh. It's not that it doesn't matter at all, but you you put it into perspective and it kind of matters less. If you're like, this is what's really important for me, it's easier somehow to stick to it because you know so clearly what you want. That makes sense. I mean, I can say like for my, I know just on this habit issue, it's like with Adam, he cares about eating. So he definitely is, we're together and sort of trying to eat good dinners, right? Yeah. But when it comes to trying to go to bed earlier, he is a night owl. He's He doesn't understand trying to go to bed earlier. When I say I'm <laughs> going to bed at midnight, he finds that inconceivable. Ah. Uh, so, you know, and it's just not that he cares if I go to bed, but he's never going to foster that habit. So right. it's like if I want to decide it's something I care about, I have to do what you're saying, which is in my own mind think of why I care about it, what I'm hoping to aim and, and, and sort of just take anyone else out of the picture, you know, which is hard because you're just naturally people around you, what they do seems to pull us in. And it's not that there's anything wrong with staying up late. That's Adam's way. But if I want to do something different, I need to sort of be aware of it and, and pull away from, from that status quo. Well, and I also think that sometimes there's a tendency to think like, well, if we all can't, if, if everybody's not participating, then it's not realistic for one person to change. And I think that's another thing is like, that's what I always try to remind myself of when I'm trying to change my habits is really the only person I can change is myself. And so any change that I want to see, I really have to think about, well, what could I do differently? 
instead of kind of waiting for other people to be like, my husband just isn't that interested in like right. engaging and all this stuff. And if I was waiting for him, I would just be frustrated and get nothing done because right. he's just basically a neutral. You just have to figure it out for yourself. And it's absolutely true that other people matter, um, but you sort of have to forge ahead anyway. Absolutely. If you'd like Gretchen and me to answer your question on a future show, here's the number to call, 774-277-9336, or more memorably, 77-HAPPY-336. Gretch, I think you're up with a happiness demerit. Yes, uh, yeah. So one of the things that's true about me is I have this weird aversion to any plot involving unjust accusation. So Yes, I'm aware. Yes. Uh, so I won't read the Atonement <laughs> uh, because I apparently it's about unjust accusation. I don't know. I haven't read it, but I think it is. Uh, the Fugitive won't watch that movie. I won't see Othello or uh, and Oliver Twist. And uh, Count of Monte Cristo, I had to like skip over the whole unjust accusation and get right into vengeance. I do like vengeance. I don't like unjust accusation. So, but ironically enough, I myself am an unjust accuser all the time. I, maybe it's like one of those, if you spot it, you got it type situations. Right. Um, and uh, the, 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 the poor, unfortunate target of this is often my <laughs> husband, Jamie. And I will, and I'm a blamer, you know, like I'm always like, oh my gosh, you know, blaming people for things that happen. And so this week I had a, I had a fax that needed to be faxed. Now, of course, in a fit of like clutter clearing and, and frugality, I was like, we don't need a fax anymore. And I got rid of it and canceled our fax line. And then like the next week, of course, like seven of people course. wanted me to fax them something and our scanner broke. Uh, so I, you know, so what, what am I going to do? So I say, Hey, Jamie, will you fax this form for me? And he says, yes, in this very kind of nonchalant, like, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to forget about this the minute you put it in my briefcase right. kind of way. But he does say he's going to do it. And he goes to the office and he comes back and he doesn't mention it. And I just look at him with glaring and I'm like, you did not fax that form for me today. And he gives me this very <laughs> sad look and he's like, we tried to fax it, but it wouldn't go through. We tried three times, and tomorrow we'll try again. And I was like, I felt so bad. I did not even ask him. I did not even give him an opportunity to like weigh in on like what had happened with the fax situation. I just immediately went to the unjust accusation, to the blaming. And um, I really just have to say to myself, you know, Hey, next time you need to gather the facts and establish the person <laughs> is guilty and then lay into him. Yes. <laughs> now, I will say that Jamie has a has a history that leads one to believe that this would be justified. Nevertheless, we're innocent until proven guilty. And uh, I should have given him every opportunity to, you know, con you know, to tell me that, indeed, he'd been a very conscientious spouse. He tried to put the facts through. And I have to report it did get faxed. So uh, so it was all unjust accusation. So that's my demerit. And Elizabeth, now, come on, lift us up. Put that behind us. Well, my gold star, it sounds negative, but it's actually positive. And it's uh, the concept of lowering expectations. Mm. And this kind of, the reason this is my gold star is because recently Adam and Jack and I went to Hawaii. Mm. And I looked at the weather before we left, and it said it was going to rain every oh. single day. Oh. So, I mean, it was kind of crushing because yeah. the whole reason you're going to Hawaii, yeah. granted I live in LA, <laughs> but the reason I'm going to Hawaii is for sun and beach. 
And so, you know, we, what, should we go? Should we not go? Should we change our trip, et cetera, et cetera? No, I remember you sent an update saying, yes. oh, we're thinking that we're going to move our dates or we're trying to yes. figure out if we can get our money back. But, you know, at the end of the day, we said, okay, well, we, we'd already, we couldn't, we couldn't get all the money back. So we said, let's just go. And if we have to, we'll just sit in the hotel yeah. room and relax the whole time. I got extra sort of Lego sets and things for Jack. And then we got there, and like it wasn't raining when we landed, so we were able to go to the beach. And uh. then the next day, it wasn't raining. And it turned out the weather report was just very wildly inaccurate. Uh. But the lesson was we were so happy every yeah. single time that it wasn't raining. Yeah. <laughs> That we had the best trip right. ever because right. we were expecting it to be, you know, this sort of not great trip that we yeah. were just going to sort of go through with. Yeah. And instead, any ounce of sunshine was this huge gift. Right. So I realized, like, we had put such little pressure on this trip being fun that it <laughs> turned out to be the best trip we've ever had. Ah. And so in just not expecting too much, you can get more than you could ever imagine. But also you appreciate it. Like you, you've had so much more appreciation for it because you go to Hawaii and you think, oh, it's going to be amazing, beautiful weather. And so you just take it for granted. But this way it was like every time the sun was shining, it felt precious and like you really registered it. And so in a way you were able to feel it more deeply than if you had just taken it for granted, had perfect weather the entire time. Absolutely. So it, it turned out the the bad weather forecast was actually the thing that contributed most to my great trip. There you go. Gold star. Remember, try this at home. Treat yourself like a toddler and let us know if it works for you. Our producer is Henry Malofsky. As always, thank you to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes and post a review. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thank you for joining us Onward and Upward. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply.